0: Welcome to the Cherry Hills podcast we're in a sermon series called the life of Christ a study in the gospel of Luke in this series we're spending time with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus thanks for joining us good morning it's good to be with you all I'm, I'm Brian Wilmoth I am one of the pastors here we are trying to confuse you with all the Brian's and we realize that um, I'd love to begin with prayer so would you before anything else can we join together in, in a word of prayer Lord, you are good, and we get to be together with you uh, in this room with uh, fellow believers, with our church family, and we just say thanks for that, God. Lord, we wanna learn from you. Uh, We wanna sit under your authority this morning, so we invite you, Father, to teach us. uh, Would we hear your voice above all else? That's why, Lord, we turn to your word, and so, Lord, uh, as we come to you, uh, help us. Help us to see you more clearly. Help us to learn something new about ourselves, and, Lord, to change our lives. Would you change our lives? So thank you, Father. Thanks for all that you do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Maybe you've heard this question before. Who do you think you are? Is that, is that familiar to you? Is that an idiom you've heard before? I, I don't know what you think of when you hear that. For me, I think of uh, like kids on a playground. I you know, just picture you know, grade school kids. They're all playing a game or something like that. And uh, one of the kids like, you played the game this way. And all the other kids like, who do you think you are? That's, that's what I picture. I, what comes to your mind? You probably have some other scenarios or, or situations that, that come up in your, your head. Uh, but what's, what's the common theme with a question like that? I, I think it's authority. Who do you think you are? Who, who gave you this authority? Who, who said you could say that? Authority, right? If you were with us last week, Pastor Steve um, taught on a couple of stories that uh, G- involved Jesus turning some tables over in, in the temple, and that was a big deal. Uh, and the religious leaders, they, they weren't, weren't too happy with that. And so they come to Jesus with a question and, and basically say, you know, by what authority are you doing this? They, they're asking, like, who do you think you are? Uh, this, this is a question that I think opens understanding for us. Uh, helps us understand a little bit more about who we are as human beings. Uh, I, I think the idea is that we tend to reject authority. Particularly, we tend to reject Jesus' authority. When we're faced with moments where, you know what, I, I don't want to be told what to do, like those kids on the playgrounds, or maybe it's your boss stepping in and saying, hey, I want you to do things differently. We, something wells up in us, right? Who do you think you are? We buck authority. We, we, we tend to reject authority. We tend to reject Jesus' authority, I think, too. And so our story today actually opens that up in, in a more focused way. If we got, the, got it on the table last week, you know, about authority, Pastor Steve taught on that a little bit, but now we're going to dig into deeper what, what that means and what happens when this is in operation for us, when we tend to reject authority. Um, and I think an idea that might be really helpful for us to explore in all of this is to realize that this is tied to our sinfulness. And so if you're, if you're following along the notes, I want to give you a, just kind of a basic definition for today about sinfulness. Um, sin is reordering who is in charge. Sin is reordering who is in charge. It's not the full definition of sin. That doesn't meant to be exhausted, but it gets at the idea for us today. Like, this is what sin is. It's it's reordering who is in charge. Uh, When I was in college, um, I was a part of a training with a group of of fellow students, and um, it lasted all week. On one of those days, we did an activity. It was a group activity, and uh, we were given a task. We were given an egg, and we we were told we were going to drop this egg. So we had to build something to protect it from cracking from that fall. So that was the objective. That was the goal. And so they gave us that, that task. But then they gave us a variety of weird materials to use. You know, not, nothing, oh, this would obviously worked. We had to be creative. And so they said go, and we, we took off. And when I say we took off, my group took off. Like, man, we were super intense, super quick. Everybody had some kind of idea, and we're like, hey, let's do this. And it was just, it was craziness really fast. And, and looking back at that, I realized uh, that was a picture for me uh, of this idea. We all want to be in charge. We, we want to we call the shots. We want to reorder who's in charge. And, and right there in that, in that moment, I could see it in our group. Um, I, and I, I realize now that uh, the project, the goal wasn't actually to prevent the egg from cracking, though that was you know, one of the things they gave us to do. It was actually to learn about group dynamics, learn about how people are how we interact with each other and this was a moment where it's like wow we all wanted to be in authority I think it's innate in us I think it's part of our nature to, to want to reject authority we tend to, to throw it off and we want to put ourselves like Steve said last week on the throne we want to, we want to call the shots that's what Jesus was dealing with in our story today these religious leaders, they come to him and say, who do you think you are? And so he tells them a parable. One, to open up their eyes, but also to open up the eyes of all the people listening. He wanted to point out something, to say, this is, this is the way human beings can be, and I want to show you where that's going to take you. And so he tells a parable. Now, uh, just a little tidbit for you. A parable, if you're following along in the notes, a parable is a story story with a point. A parable is a story with a point, or our stories, I make it plural there, sorry. Um, they're stories with a point. Jesus was trying to communicate an idea, trying to communicate, here's something I want you to know. And he wanted to touch their hearts and minds. He wanted to touch our hearts and minds and produce some kind of reaction. There's a point to the parable. And so that's what Jesus is trying to do. So if you would, Turn with me to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. And we're going to look at verses 9 through 19. Now, if you don't have a Bible, we've got um, a bunch of Bibles like this in the seat racks in front of you. Go ahead and grab one of those. We'd love for you to follow along to be a first-hander as well. And if you don't own one, take this with you. Uh, this is our gift to you. We want you to have a Bible. Make sure you walk out with one. This is, this is a really great thing. We would love to give to you and make sure you have in your possession. So grab one of these. And if you're using one of these, the page number is 733. 733. So Luke chapter 20, starting at verse 9. So I'm going to read. And then once we get to verse 14, you'll see that in the first gray box. If you would read that out loud with me, I'll prompt you when we get there. So Luke chapter 20, starting at verse 9. He went on to tell the the people this parable. A man planted a vineyard, rented it some farmers, and went away for a long time. At the harvest time, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants beat him and sent him away empty-handed. He sent another servant, but that one also they beat and treated shamefully and sent away empty-handed. He still sent a third, and they wounded him and threw him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son, whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. Now, if you would, read with me verse 14 in the first gray box. But when the tenants saw him, they talked the matter over. This is the heir, they said. Let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. I'll continue. So they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and he will kill those tenants. He will give the vineyard to others. When the people heard this, they said, God forbid. Jesus looked directly at them and asked, Then what is the meaning of that which is written? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Anyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone who, on whom it falls will be crushed. The teachers of the law and the chief priest look for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew he had spoken this parable against them, but they were afraid of the people. That's pretty weighty stuff. You see, again, Jesus is telling a parable to communicate a point. He sees this uh, rejecting of authority in the people around him. And so he's, he's trying to call that out. He's trying to call attention to it. And he wants to to do something with that. Now this parable um, actually would have been somewhat significant for the listeners. Um, In Isaiah chapter five, there's this image of a vineyard and God's talking about how he's planted a vineyard. And he connects the dots to say, that's you, Israel, like you're the vineyard. And so as Jesus is talking about a vineyard, that probably would have come to their minds. They would have been starting to think about that. Now Jesus uses it a little differently. It's not a one-to-one parallel, but immediately they start to hear like, vineyard, Israel, yeah, okay. And they realize, he's probably talking about us. Now, the text doesn't say that the people make that connection, but there's something that they get about it. But the religious leaders, they know he's talking about them. And and all of this opens up this idea that we reject authority. You see, in in the parable, the tenants, these, these people that are renting this vineyard, they, don't, they want it for themselves. They don't want the authority of the owner. Every servant he sends, they, they throw out. They beat up. They say, no, no, we're rejecting your authority. They want the vineyard for themselves. And so if you're following along, this is a parable for, a parable for us. The tenants in the parable want the vineyard for themselves. All of this opens up our eyes to see a little more clearly Jesus is actually talking to them, to the the religious leaders and the people. He's talking to us. It's like you're, you're in this parable and you reject authority. And the point that Jesus wants to make is he says, don't reject that authority. Don't reject me. Jesus realizes that this is in our hearts. This is our nature. This is where we lean. And he wants to say no, 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 no. Don't reject me. So if you're following along in the notes, this is a challenge for us. Jesus challenges us, don't reject me. Don't reject me. Now when we hear this parable, there's probably a few things that, that we rush to pretty quickly, especially the result of all this. Um, when I first read it, I'm like, wow, the owner is pretty harsh there, right? He, he kills the tenants when they you know, don't obey. Uh, that, that seems pretty pretty drastic. And then Jesus talks about how this stone's going to crush people. Um, Maybe just a brief word on this. I'm not going to be able to to solve it probably satisfactorily for you, but a couple of things to note about it. Um, Number one, their culture is different than ours. Um, The culture in which they lived was much more rough, uh, and it was more survival-oriented. They they had systems and laws and, and people to protect one another, but it wasn't as clean and robust as it is for us today. Uh, we can take for granted that when somebody does us wrong, we we can do something about it. Sometimes that wasn't the case back then. Uh, their culture was different than ours, uh, and so I think that's an element in which plays into how they would hear all of this. But I think it's still extreme because number two, I think what Jesus is trying to do is be dramatic. He's going to an extreme uh, end to show the point. Like this is serious. Uh, and, and that's, it's somewhat for dramatic effect than when he tells this parable. Uh, so maybe a way to translate it for us if we could walk away with this idea is that God deals decisively and seriously when people reject his authority. I think that's something that we can take for us. Uh, and that's part of what Jesus is trying to communicate. And so um, I think it's helpful for us to, to see why Jesus is telling this story. And one of the things that was really helpful for me in understanding this is this next idea. And if you're following along in the notes, God owns the vineyard. It doesn't belong to us. God owns the vineyard. It doesn't belong to us. This is his vineyard. It belongs to him. He's the one that planted it. He's the one that owns it. It's his. These guys are just tenants. Tenants. They come in, they're renting from him. He's the one that, that's giving them the authority and the permission to do what they're doing. Um, it doesn't belong to them. And, and so when Jesus is talking to the Israelites, to the religious leaders, it's like, this isn't yours. This is his. This is God's. It belongs to him. And, and that's where the authority lies. And so I think when, when he speaks this, this parable, he's speaking about what's really God's in all of this. And it's not what you think. This doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. Now, as I heard that, there's something else that emerged to me that was really helpful, and, and it's this next line in the notes. I want to explore this with you. Sin leads us to absurd thinking. Sin leads us to absurd thinking. When I, when I looked at this, there was something that kind of caught my eye. It was like, what's, what's this whole inheritance thing? If we, if we kill the son... Uh, Something didn't make sense to me. Sorry, I studied a little bit more and opened it up, and it was pretty uh, eye-opening for me. Um, This was not at all how inheritance worked back then. Uh, Tenants killing a son, killing an heir, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to get the inheritance. There was usually another in line, whether it's another son or an uncle or a brother, you know, something like that. The the, the inheritance was passed through family. So it, it didn't work that way where tenants could just take the land if they killed an heir. Uh, usually there were other people that were up in line. Um, so their line of thinking of like, hey, if we kill this guy, we can steal the inheritance, would have sounded pretty absurd to the original hearers. That's, that's what sin does. It, we start to think like this. We start to see only what we want to see. We don't really see the full big picture. And so it leads us down these roads that, that take us places we don't want to go. And I, I think that's true. I, I began to think about, wow, I can do that too. When I think to moments in my faith walk where I, I realized that I was not being obedient to Jesus, where I wasn't doing things the way he was asking me to do them, I, I almost had a moment of revelation or clarity to say, like, what am I thinking? How did I get here? What, what led to this? Like, it was almost like I kind of caught myself and took myself back. Have you, have you experienced that? Have you, have you noticed those moments of clarity where it's like, what in the world? How did I get here? It doesn't make sense. I think that's what this desire to be in charge, this sinfulness, does to us. It leads us down these lines of, of thinking of living that take us to absurd and dark places. Uh, maybe an extreme example you, you can connect with. I, I don't know if you've known someone who's an addict, someone who's addicted to something, like physically addicted. They just can't uh, free themselves out. Like, I don't know if you've known somebody like that. But if you've ever had a conversation or heard a conversation, someone comes in and says, you've got you to quit doing this. This is an intervention. We want to we help you. Uh, look at the path that you're walking. More times than not, that person it doesn't make sense. They, they, they don't get it. They don't see it. They're, it's just not clicking. And they justify it. They, they figure out, well, here's how I... And, and, and there's that moment of, like, they, they don't see it. They, they're blind to it. Now, maybe they have a moment of clarity at some point. I have a, I have a friend who, uh, this is his story, and um, there was a moment where he realized what he was doing to some other people, and he get on Facebook. He's like, oh, I'm sorry to all those that, uh, that I've hurt. He, he had a moment of clarity, and, and that's what almost happened for him. It's kind of like a snapback to reality. But that's what sin does. It takes us down these roads where we're just absurd in our thinking. I think Jesus is trying to highlight that. You wanting to be in authority, you trying to take the vineyard, it doesn't make sense because it belongs to God. It belongs to God. And so he's trying to call that out. He's trying to call attention to that and open our eyes. And so that's that's where he's challenging, don't walk down this road. And so how does all this play out? Where where does this go, this, this absurd line of thinking? That's what Jesus wants to communicate. And so if you're following along in the notes, even though he is rejected, he will be the cornerstone. Even though he is rejected, he will be the cornerstone. Jesus is is highlighting a a verse from uh, Psalm 118. That's that's what's mentioned here in verse 17 when it's maybe set apart in your Bible. It's a quote, it's a quote from a psalm. Now this psalm uh, was a psalm of triumph for Israel. Uh, It was a psalm that they would use when they would go to worship at the temple, uh, whether there was a big procession or something like that, but this was a way to celebrate what God had done because it calls to mind the story of Israel and particularly the story of David. Uh, so, Israel, they were an oppressed people. They were slaves in Egypt. And they were rejected. Nobody cared about them. They, they, were, they were downtrodden. They were lowly. And God took them and he made them into a nation. He established them. He made them into a people. And so, this is this idea of, of taking the stone that it was rejected and building something with it. Building a cornerstone out of it. The same thing was true of David. Um, he was a, a shepherd. Um, a lowly son he, he was in the bottom of the ranks of his own family but God said he's going to be king and so he, he's brought in and, and becomes uh, a known figure and Saul who was the current king rejected him and he pursued David he chased after him for years David was rejected and yet he became king he became arguably the greatest king in Israel he was established as the cornerstone This is the way that God operates. He operates by taking the lowly, taking the humiliated, and raising them up, building something great out of that. And Jesus calls this text to mind. He says, remember this psalm? This is the way God operates. And you look to that psalm as a psalm of triumph, and yet, you're doing the very thing that was done to you. The irony of that, it's it's astonishing. They they're doing the very thing that's that's been done to them, and Jesus wants to call their attention to that. Look at and see how the people respond to the parable initially, um, in verse uh, sixteen. Excuse me, yeah, the second half of sixteen. When the people heard this, they said, "God forbid," or maybe it says something like, "May this never be," depending on your translation. Um, but they have an immediate reaction to this story to say, "No, no, no, it can't be like that. No way." They're, they don't like it. They, they think this whole story is preposterous. And Jesus is telling them this parable to highlight, no, 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 you're doing the very thing that you don't want to do. And even further, the leaders, their, their response is even more drastic. So if you look at 19, the teachers of the law and the chief priests look for a way to arrest him immediately because they knew they had spoken this parable against them. Jesus is saying, like, don't walk down this road, and yet, they're rejecting him. They're rejecting him. They're walking down the road that he's trying to highlight to their attention, but they don't hear it. They don't hear his challenge, don't reject me. They just hear, oh, he's, he's speaking out against us. we got to do something about that. They're playing the story out right in front of us. If you were here for Good Friday, we had Good Friday services a couple weeks ago, and, and Easter, on Good Friday, we talked about the story of Jesus, the last uh, few hours of his life. And one of the monologues talked about the scene where Jesus is with Pilate, before Pilate, in the crowds, and Barabbas. This was the choice between him and Barabbas. Uh, this monologue had everything to do with rejection. It was delivered by Kim, and she did a great job. I'm gonna read you a couple of lines from that, that monologue to illustrate the very thing that Jesus is talking about, what the people are gonna do. Um, and we'll actually, we're gonna put the image of the painting that was drawn for this scene up on the screen here so you can kind of get a sense or a feeling of what this was like. So he, here are just a couple of lines from it. Looking down the steps at the people he loves and longs for, who in return shall crucify him. He looks over at the man standing next to him a man known as a notorious murderer and a criminal. And Pilate is offering to set one of them free. free. But there's no hope for Jesus. The crowds reject him and choose a murderer. They have been convinced that Jesus is a criminal, Jesus is the threat, Jesus deserves to die. Blind to his true identity, they reject him. They are adamant, they are loud, and they are demanding. The people yell, his blood be on us and on our children. It's so flippant and so sarcastic. As if his blood was worthless in their eyes, he meant nothing to them. And yet, they meant everything to him. He stares out at the faces of the people he's about to die for. Jesus, mighty God, prince of peace, accused, mocked, rejected by those he came to save. This is how it plays out. This is human tendency. This is our nature. We want to reject authority. But God's not going to let it stay that way. God's going to deal decisively with it. He's going to raise up Jesus three days later. He will be vindicated. Jesus will be set on the throne, and he will become the cornerstone. This is how it's going to play out. And so what this looks like for the tenants, for the religious leaders, for us, if we're not careful, is this, if you're following along in the notes. If we reject him, God will give the promise to others. If we reject him, God will give the promise to others. I think in in this parable, uh, Jesus changes the image of the vineyard to mean the promise of Israel. I I think what comes to my mind is, is Abraham you will be blessed to be a blessing. I will, be, I will give you life and, and abundance. Like, that's, I think, what he's talking about here. That's what he's calling to mind to say, this is what the vineyard represents. If you reject me, you're rejecting the vineyard. Because the, the vineyard and I go together. You can't separate one from the other. And so Jesus is claiming authority over Israel, over the promise, and saying, don't reject me. Don't reject me. The challenge for us, our, our, our tendency is to reject his authority. But we need to hear that challenge. The challenge from Jesus say, don't reject me. Don't reject me. What do we do with that? How are we meant to hear that? How are we to respond? I think, I think we're to submit to his authority. We're to submit to his authority. Now, before we hear that and say out of fear or we're scared into submitting, uh, I want to highlight one more thing in this parable that's pretty compelling for me. Uh, and, and maybe we can capture it this way on the line in your notes uh, if you're following along. God is gracious and wants to share the vineyard with us. God is gracious and wants to share the vineyard with us. Uh, let me open that up a little bit. Um, if you look at the parable, we get the story of, a, of the owner, who, who establishes a vineyard, brings in some tenants, and then goes away for a long time. This is kind of what God does with Israel. He, he, he establishes them, and then he, he kind of goes away. He's, he's still around, but he's not there on property and all that kind of stuff. He sends servants or prophets. He sends messengers. He sends people on his behalf over and over again. Now, in the parable, you know, a guy sends a servant, hey, give me some, some fruit, and they uh, send him out. They beat him up. Probably what most owners would have done is we're going to grab some soldiers and we're going to go in and we're going to assert our authority. But that's not what this owner does. He sends another and another and then finally the son. The owner in the parable is patient and forbearing. He's slow to anger. This is the character of God. God. This is the character of God. He's he's slow to anger. He is gracious. He is patient with us. He gives us chances. He meets us where we are. This is God's character. And then we get the sending of the sun. Um, It's interesting, this word perhaps. I don't know if you caught. It's kind of an interesting word. But in the Greek, uh, the original language, this has the sense of hopefulness, of wish. It's like, I want this to be true. That's almost like the the language that the owner is using. I want this to be true. I'm giving uh, a chance here, perhaps. And then finally, uh, we get the the story of the son and he's killed, but the story doesn't end there. Um, Yes, it doesn't end well for the tenants, but we do get the statement um, at the end of what the, the owner does. He finds other tenants to give the vineyard to. Did you catch that? He will give the vineyard to others. Probably most owners, most would come in and say, you know what? I'm sticking around. I'm not giving this out to anybody else. I'm going to make sure everything goes well. But this owner, he looks for others. He wants to continue sharing it, he wants to give others the opportunity. This is all a representation of the character of God. He's gracious, he's patient, he's forbearing. He meets us where we are and he wants to give even if we don't want to take part. That's the character of God in all of this. So before we're totally scared into obedience, into submission, realize that Jesus is offering us something better. He's offering us a relationship with a gracious God who wants to give it to us and is willing to meet us if we just don't reject him. But I think there's something that's also good to point out. Jesus doesn't stop with the parable in his life. Um, Jesus goes beyond it. And, And if you're following along in the notes, Jesus goes beyond the parable. He frees us from sin. He frees us from sin. Later that week, Jesus will go to die. Die for the people that reject him. Die because we can't do it on our own. We need his help. We're stuck in this sinfulness, this desire to be in charge. We, we're stuck in that. We can't see the way forward. But he frees us from that. He doesn't just simply say, do differently. Rather, he's like, I want you to do differently, and I'm going to help you. That's what Jesus does. He, he helps us. He provides the way forward. He frees us from sin. He opens the door for us to have that freedom. This is why he went to the cross to free us from this desire, this innate ability that we have to to take over. He opens the door for us to really live how we're meant to live in gracious relationship with the Father. This This is the way forward. Not only does he call us to something, he helps us get there. That's what Jesus does. And so, I think we can have this takeaway if you're following along in the notes. Therefore, we can submit to his authority we can submit to his authority. It's not something we do on our own, try harder, do more, but rather he helps us. So what does that look like? How do we actually go about doing that? Well, for some of you, maybe this is the very first time you've been hearing this. You've been trying to figure out what this Jesus guy is all about, trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing. Hey, we're glad you're here. I don't know how this strikes you, but I think for you, you're at the starting line. You have the opportunity right now to begin to walk this road. You've never, ever really explored what it looks like to give Jesus authority. This is a first step for you. Maybe simply to say, all right, Jesus, let's try this out. Help me to to submit to you. Help me to to give my life to you. Maybe it's just purely the first step of saying that. Just know it's going to be a long process. Jesus is gonna walk a long way with you and he's not gonna rush it. He's not gonna change everything instantly. But he's gonna take each and every step along the way with you to embody that, to live that out. So maybe it's a first step for you. But for many of us, we probably made that choice. We've begun this journey. We've begun walking down this road. What does it look like for us? Well, for me, when I thought about this, I realized there's areas of my life where I'm just still holding on. Maybe in the big picture sense, I'm like, yep, I submit to Jesus. I go with him. But there are ways that I'm still holding on. I still want my authority. I still want to sit on the throne. Maybe it's a behavior that just doesn't look like Jesus. You know, externally, you just know, man, I don't think Jesus would look like that. I don't think he'd act like that. Maybe that's one thing. Or maybe it's a way that you feel in bondage. You just can't find freedom. You, you feel stuck and oppressed. And it's a way, it's just like, ah, I feel like this. Maybe there's an area in your life which that feels true. That's a place where you can submit to Jesus and to trust him. Or maybe it's something you just don't want to talk to God about. It's like, man, you avoid that in, in any sort of prayer time. You don't tell other people about it. You just, you avoid that. You don't want to talk to God about that. That might be an area you need to submit These are all different expressions to to get at this. What is a specific moment, specific area of my life that I need to submit to the Lord? He's asking me to go with him. I don't know what that is for you. But God wants us to to identify that. Step one is to acknowledge it, to label it, to name it. And, And once we do, then we can say, all right, here, Lord, let's go together on this that's the challenge that Jesus wants to give us he wants to challenge us not to reject him but to go with him and he's going to help us along the way so I don't know what it is for you Pastor Steve last week talked about how God might be rearranging the furniture in your house in your life and that's a helpful image where do you feel like God's saying hey let's move the couch let's let's change the table Where, where is that area for you that's maybe where he wants to submit, ask you to submit. So the, the last question I'm gonna ask you, how can I submit to his authority? How can I submit to his authority? Jesus is offering us this challenge, don't reject me. And he says it doesn't, it doesn't end well, we don't wanna go that way because the promise, they, they go together with me, so don't reject me, but rather I'm gracious, I wanna meet you in this. So we're actually going to give you some time. I'm going to give you some space. There's a little bit of a blank area on the bottom of your notes. During this time, what, what is that area you feel like God might be prompting you with? The first thing to do is to name it, to acknowledge it. So write it down. Where is Jesus' challenge you? Don't reject me, but submit. We're going to give you a few minutes. Think about that. Chew on that. See what God might be prompting in you. We're going to take some time to really open that up before the Lord. And we're going to give it to him. So use that that space in your notes. Write down, what is God laying on your heart? Where can you submit?